we all face obstacles that seem like fierce, intimidating giants in front of us. Today's message by Reverend Andrew Taylor is a teaching on how to defeat the giants or obstacles that we face in life. So get ready and get into the river. Be blessed. Well, um, you have your Bibles. I enjoy the word. Steve Benny stole my line. Pastor is here to comfort the afflicted. The teacher is here to afflict the comfortable. But with that, having said that I'm a teacher, I encourage feedback. You can talk back to me and you'll find that you'll have opportunities to do so. Plus, we shall provide you with homework for the rest of the day during the message if you're listening closely. All right? Um, there are three titles for the, today's message, and I favor the third, but I'll give you all three. The first is slaying your Goliaths. The second is five stones. I actually have one for a demo, straight from a riverbed. And um, the third is get into the river. You might say, how does that connect? Follow with me. So, slaying your Goliaths or five stones or get into the river. The text for this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 17, which most of us who were raised in the church background, we've heard the story of David and Goliath. So that's basically our text for the morning. Um, And here's the point, though. Every one of us has faced a Goliath or giant in our life at some time, or we are facing one right now. If you say, Pastor, I'm so privileged, I've, I've never had to face a Goliath or obstacle in my life, may I uh, assure you that you will in the future if you have never had one yet. And they are actually good for the testing of our faith so we can grow into the fullness of the stature of the image of Jesus Christ. So we're called to be overcomers. How do we overcome these challenges, these temptations, these Goliaths? And that's why we want to share five points or five stones, uh, taking it from those, or five keys how to overcome these Goliaths. So I'd like to begin with verse 40, all in, in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. In verse 40, it says, And David took a staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, and he drew near the Philistine. So David chose, selected, handpicked, called out five smooth stones. Little point to keep in mind right there. Those stones didn't magically jump into his pouch. He had to go and search for those stones, find them, and put them in his pouch. So now, let's look at five keys which would help us, I believe, in confronting and defeating these Goliaths and living overcoming lives. Number one, identify our Goliaths. Identify our Goliaths. Um, You know, if you apply for a job on the resume, they'll often have a place where you can list your strengths. We often run out of paper when it comes to listing our strengths. But then if they ask us to list our weaknesses, the paper seems to shrink in size. So, uh, if I may assist us in looking at some of our possible weaknesses, that's a bit rude. No, I'll begin with one of mine. Is that okay? You really, pastor? Yeah, no, none of us is perfect except Jesus, you know? Now, let me, how do I articulate, uh, how do I communicate my weakness to you? Okay. Articulation is not my weakness. 
but patience is not my strength. <laughs> so coming from America or Australia to India and driving here is really a test of my patience. I, I'm, I hope you can appreciate that objectively, right? So now, each of us have weaknesses. Allow me to list some and some of us will identify with some of these and some with more of them. Uh, could it be an addiction of various sorts? Whether it's nicotine, um, alcohol, drugs. Pastor, we are believers. You have no clue what some people are up to the rest of the week and then they come to church on Sunday as totram. In Tamil that means praise the Lord. But the word of God says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. We are called to be seven day Christians. I have a little takeoff for my SDA friends. You're a seventh day Adventist? God bless you. I'm an everyday Adventist. We don't worship God just on Saturday, but every day of the week. So, could it be an addiction of some sort like that? Could it be anger issues? My Anne and I were just this a week and a half ago with young married, young married couples. And we asked them to put anonymously some of the issues we're facing and print it so nobody's handwriting could be recognized. And I destroyed it. Guess what? Anger. My husband gets mad at me, snaps at me. My wife wants to take my head off for this and that. Christian couples. So don't pretend like it doesn't exist. Could it be anger? Could it be debt? You've heard the expression, some people are up to their eyeballs in debt. This summer in America, we, I've known this couple for a while, but I found something out about them. They've declared bankruptcy three times. That's literally three financial divorces. It's like they've become immune to it. So some of us could be facing such debt, we can't stop swiping that plastic. It's got such a hold on our life, it's become a Goliath in our life. Could it be unemployment? Could it be broken relationships? Doesn't just mean between a husband and wife. You could be a single person, a broken relationship with your parents or one of them, with a sibling, with our children, with a colleague. Could it be, no, don't, don't walk out on me. Remember, I'm called to afflict the comfortable, right? Could it be laziness? Three full days, IPL is on. I'm just sitting there like a couch potato watching nonstop people who are taking bribes. Oops. But whatever it may be, excessive video games, excessive computer games, whatever then that becomes an idol. It's become a Goliath in our life that needs to be taken down, destroyed. Could it be rejection? From the time we were a kid, somebody told us, you, you're good for nothing. You'll never amount to anything. Fear. I forget which American statesman it was, I believe, who was a church and who said the greatest thing we have to fear is fear itself. Every time Jesus appeared to his disciples, his first word was, don't be afraid. Fear not. It is I. And one other, allow me to share one other potential giant. Pornography. 
When I was a child growing up in this very city, there were like one or two CD adult bookshops or stores. And there's usually men who would kind of wait for dusk and quick slink in the door or go in by a back door because they didn't want the report to get out that they went into those stores. But then with the passage of time, there was the computer, then the laptop, then the iPad, and just a touch of the mouse. And now we've progressed, if you call it progress, to our handheld devices. And right here, we can, if we want to, access the filthiest porn. I read just two weeks back in America that about 20 plus percent of pastors are struggling with porn. Can you imagine what it's like then in the pew? I'm not yelling, I just want to challenge us. It's a fearful thing. Where is the fear of God anymore if we claim to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us? This morning, this morning, one of my classmates from 41 years ago, am I that old? Yes, I am sent one, I've, I've connected about 21 of my 1972 batchmates. And it's been going so smooth and this morning some of them sends a filthy picture and I never expected it. Here was I, the architect of, you know, bringing them together. I looked at Andrew, delete that. Bam, delete. I never want to see that again. Not one of us is exempt. I didn't ask for it. It came to me. From an unexpected source. Here's a good quote. A man or woman is no more responsible for the temptations that come our way than the scarecrow in the field is for the birds that fly overhead. However, the scarecrow's responsibility is to see that the birds don't nest in the field. So click the delete button. Block that entity. Could it be pornography? It has become rampant. When our son Luke was 13 in Arizona, I, I learned and I read that the average age at which a, a person in America is exposed to pornography was 11. India, Bangalore is not far behind. We are an IT hub here. I believe now it's probably gone down to the single digits about nine years of age. And honestly, I blame the parents if we allow our children unrestricted and unlimited access to the internet because it's a tool that is too heavy for them to handle at that age. We need to train up our child. So, I'm just listing some of the Goliaths. We need to make sure we clearly identify the Goliath that we're facing. And for some of us, it could be a couple of these. Here's a statement. Admit it and quit it. Admit it and quit it. If you, if there's somebody who's fallen over drunk half the time, and it's the pastor says, you know, oh, pastor, I'm not an alcoholic. Well, you can't help the person. You show me an alcoholic who wants to be delivered, and I'll show you a Jesus who can and will deliver him. So we must acknowledge, pastor, this is my problem. Father God, this is my issue. I need to gain victory over this thing. So admit it first. We must identify our Goliath. So David's dad sends David to take some bread and corn to his brothers. 
Now, the scripture tells us, you can read this as homework, the whole chapter, that David puts somebody else temporarily in charge of the sheep, his father's sheep, and he takes his bread and corn to see his brothers. All his, the three elder brothers listed, Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah, they're obviously bigger, older, taller, stronger, brawny. They're part of the Israelite army under King Saul. So picture with me the Israelite army on this hill and the Philistine army on that hill. And there's a valley in between. And so David comes to bring his brothers this food and then to take a report back to his father. Now when he comes, allow me to dramatize some of this, just to put it in colloquial, common everyday language. David comes with the food. And in the process, while he approaches his brothers, he sees and overhears this Philistine um, heathen crying out, uh, basically saying, send me a champion. If he kills me, we will be your servants for life. But if I kill him, you Israelites will be our servants and slaves for life. So David, while he speaks to his brothers, says, so what's, what's the deal? What's going on? Who's this guy? And they tell him. And again, to keep using simple language. So why can't somebody take him out? What's the, what's the big deal? Somebody take him out. And you know what the Bible says? They pounced on him. Basically saying, shut up. You twerp. You runt of the pack. You little pipsqueak. Go home. Go back and look after dad's sheep. You have no business coming here and telling us what to do. Now here's my point. The three older, tougher, stronger, brawny brothers were afraid to face their own Goliath. So they picked on the weaker one. I have a tough day at work with my boss or with some colleagues or with a project. I'm not able to face my own Goliath. I come home, bite my wife's head off. Yell at the kids, get from here, leave me alone, I want some peace. It's not their fault at all. Just like David's elder brothers were picking on the wrong person. We're picking on innocent ones when we need to be able to identify and square up to the real giant or giants in our life. So point number one. Identify our giants, our Goliaths. Number two, get God's perspective. Get God's perspective. And God says, I do not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward part, but I look at the heart. Listen to this statement. To the entire Israelite army and to King Saul, Goliath was so big because they're God had become so small. But to young David, Goliath was of no consequence because his God was so big. I taught children in Sunday school decades ago, same city. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Maybe you remember that. But did we mean it? Oh, now don't walk out on me. Or were we singing lies? David knew his God. He's an awesome God. He's immovable, unshakable, unstoppable. You see, this auditorium, our entire house or apartment, more than likely will fit in this unless you're a billionaire. This is a large hall. But if you think this is big, you try going to BIAL or LA International Airport or JFK, New, you know, New York City. They have hangars 
They are buildings where even a jumbo jet 747 or an A380 can be towed in for mechanical repairs and servicing. You're familiar with that, hangars, right? So huge. By the way, a little parenthetical note from me. Airports have hangars. Humans have hang-ups. Let's continue. All right. They're so huge, if you stood outside that hangar where they can service a jumbo jet, you feel like an ant, so tiny. But you get in that same jumbo jet or A380, Airbus, you get to about 20,000 feet up in the air on a clear day, that same hangar from the air looks no bigger than a Lego block. Get God's perspective. You're sitting there thinking, Pastor, you have no idea how insurmountable my problem is. Look at it as God sees it. It's nothing for our God. The prophet asked the rhetorical question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is, no, nothing. I told you you can talk back at me, didn't I? No, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Get God's perspective. You know, oftentimes, especially like after the service, you know, there's a book table there, and people uh, aggregate, and you talk, and you share. You kind of connect with certain people that you enjoy connecting with. But sometimes, at those times, one of the parties is just, oh, you have no idea how I'm hurting, what the problems I have. Some folk are very negative. May I share a little? I'm trying to put this in a lighter vein. Stay with me. If you want to be my friend, you need to be the type that is the same blood type as my son, Luke. You need to be positive. Now, don't get hung up if you're being negative. The point I'm trying to make, by the way, that's also my blood type. All right. Okay. The point I'm trying to make is it's regardless, oh, positive, whatever it may be, we need to be positive people. The Word of God tells us for sure that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what are we down in the mouth and moaning and I'm not yelling, you know. <laughs> what are we behaving like that for? We have every reason to be joyful for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, years back, and I do not recommend this at all, because for me personally, from Hollywood to Bollywood, 95% no time for. So even the name of the movie I'm going to give you, I haven't even watched, but I'm just using the title to make a point. Decades ago, and if you've watched it, you can feel convicted. All right, now. Decades ago, there was a movie by Hollywood called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. The way some people behave, it's like, Pastor Ashish, I shrunk my God. David, the same David writes later in the Psalms and says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Stop magnifying the problem. Magnify our God. Get God's perspective. Listen to this statement. To the Israelite soldiers and to Saul. By the way, talk about David's brothers being tall and strapping. In 1 Samuel 9, that's part of your homework, is it? It describes Saul as being head and shoulders above all the men in Israel. 
Procter and Gamble in the United States needs to pay royalties to the Bible Society of America in India for stealing a phrase from the Bible and making a shampoo out of it called head and shoulders. <laughs> it's straight from the Bible, my friend. So Saul was head, he was a big dude. Not just David's brothers, King Saul. So hear the statement now. To the Israelite soldiers and to tall Saul, Goliath was too big to hit. But to young David, Goliath was too big to miss. Come on, what target is easier to strike, a bigger target or a smaller target? Bring it on, says Davy boy. Come closer. So number one is identify our Goliaths. Number two, get God's perspective. Number three, consider the rewards. Look, there's a bonus involved. Consider the rewards. In verse 25, we read, second half, they're telling David, the man who kills this giant, three things. One, the king will enrich him with great riches. Two, he'll give him his daughter. And three, make his father's house free in Israel. Triple header. Number one, you get pots of cash. Listen to me, church. Don't put a rupee into any lottery. Put it in the church instead. You do what God has called you to do, money will follow you. It's not you do it for the sake of money. The one who slays this Goliath, he'll get pots of cash. Number two, he'll marry the king's daughter. Woo-hoo. Right. And it's not just marrying a cute young gal. When you marry the king's daughter, you become the king's... You're not, you're not talking to me today for some... Son-in-law. Which means you, get, you live in the king's palace, you get the king's name, the position, the power. All of that comes along with it. Pots of money. The position, power, son-in-law to the king. And number three, his father's house will be free in Israel. You know what that means? You don't pay taxes for the rest of your life. You don't even file your tax returns. Goodbye. That's a pretty good deal. You know, there's a statement that says, there's two things in life that are constant, death and taxes. I want to submit a thought to you. I've learned from my 56 years of living, death is the better option because that's consistent. Taxes keep going up. <laughs> Consider the rewards. What are the rewards for the child of God to defeat our Goliaths? The same Davy. Psalm, the best loved and known Psalm, one, Psalm 23. In the last verse he says, surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'd like us to picture two large golden retrievers, Labradors, or even a black lab, or two Alsatians, German shepherds. Just, you know, you could be a single lady walking in Cubbon Park with those two dogs. Not one thug will come close to you. <laughs> True. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, bonus, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just a little parenthetical point. Psalm 23 is the only psalm that starts on earth and ends in heaven. 
But what more do we need? The goodness of our God, the mercy of our God, the love of our God, all of this is ours. So consider the rewards. Number one, identify your giants. Number two, get God's perspective. Number three, consider the rewards. Number four, that comes to the real meat of the matter. Take decisive action. Take decisive action. Once the decision has been made, which needs to be in consultation with the Holy Spirit and is in line with this word of God. I want to make a point here for a moment. Many believers, Pastor, God wants me to do this. God told me this. Now I ask you a question. If Pastor didn't have a peace or an agreement about it, that means he is disagreeing with God. Are you with me? The way some believers, God told me, God showed me, God did this. It's like you got a personal hotline to heaven. I'm happy for you. But if you come to me with God said, so much of the time, I actually switch you off. Instead say, Pastor, this is a passion I have in my heart. This is a burden that I feel it's possible God has put this. Would you please pray about it? Now you are submitting. Now listen closely. Don't walk out on me. But if you come with God said, God said all the time, that's a form of manipulation. Because God told me this, if you don't see it the same way, you're off. Even the apostle Paul, mighty apostle Paul, a couple of times in his writings, he says, not the Lord, but I. But we, you know, charismatic Pentecostal, everything is God, 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 God. God. What has God said? It's right here in his word. So consider submitting instead of manipulating. And one of the scripture says we are not to take the name of our Lord our God in vain. So, take decisive action. That's why I say don't just say God said. If God said it will line up with this word. Now, now was time to act. We read in the first scripture, verse 40, David now went down to the river. River, creek, rivulet, stream, whatever it was. We need, like David, to get into the river. See, he had a sling. That was his weapon. But he needed ammunition. We, we have the word of God. This we have, but he needed ammunition. And as he gets into the river and looks and looks, he finds and picks out a total of five smooth stones. Each one he finds. Let me pull that out. Each one he finds... And remember the same David said, and I quote, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. And another one. When you spend time in the river, when you spend time in the word, you know what happens if you've been a believer for any length of time. Suddenly a scripture jumps out at you. It gets quickened. You, wow. And there's another rhema word from God to you. Plunk. Another word from God. And so guess what happens? David is now, he had this, the weapon, now he's got the ammunition. I want to transition us briefly to the temptations of the Lord Jesus. We know how he spent entire nights alone with his father. 
You can imagine how much time he spent in the river. That's why he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do, nothing else. So 40 days and nights in the wilderness. Afterwards, when he is weak, weary, and hungry, Satan comes to tempt him. And he says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. I know you're hungry. But see, Jesus had spent so much time with his father. What do you think he does, figuratively speaking? Puts one of those stones in the slingshot. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Zot! Down goes the devil. And I like boxing, so let me give you. Paul the apostle uses some analogies. So watch. Down goes the devil, and there's a ref. Six, seven, eight, but he gets up. It's not a knockout yet. He comes back with another temptation. Takes him on a high pinnacle. Jump down, his angel will keep you from even stubbing your toe. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Zot down. Five, six, seven, eight. Up he gets up again. And then he says, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. I will give all of this to you if you will but bow down and worship me. And then Jesus takes out another nugget. He's loaded with ammunition. Let me make another point. Where was the Lord Jesus? He was in the wilderness. Physically, literally, he was in a wilderness. But spiritually speaking, he was in the river. Because he was spending time with his father. Are you with me? Oh, I got so excited when I caught that, when the Spirit of God showed that to me. We keep thinking wilderness, wilderness, but for Jesus, it was the river. So he was loaded with the ammunition. The devil thought he got up in the right time, but it was the worst time because Jesus was overloaded with ammunition. Bear, bow down and worship me. All these you will get. And Jesus puts another one in there. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Zot! Down, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ding, 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 ding. Look out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you know what? He wasn't killed. He was only knocked out. Because the Bible says Satan only departed for a season. There would be a rematch another time on Calvary's cross. And so... Okay, I kind of enjoyed that analogy with the boxing, didn't you? Let's go back. David goes to the river. I shared earlier these stones did not magically jump into his pocket. He had to go there. But pastor, the water's cold, pastor. If I go in the river. Brother, sister, get in the river. Oh, pastor, ankle deep I can handle, but knee deep I don't know how to swim, pastor. I might drown. You won't, brother, sister, get into the river. I'm not yelling, you understand my heart by now. Get alone with Jesus. And when you do, you here's another point in case I forget it later. How many giants were there at that point in time? One. How many stones did David pick up? Five. Why did he pick up four extra stones? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Second Samuel, trust me as a teacher, take the notes down. Unless he's got it up there. Chapter 21 from verse 15 to the end. It's amazing. Later on in his life, another giant wanted to kill David. And it says David was a bit weak. He was older. 
and his men came in and slew the giant one after one. There were four other giants in that passage, 2 Samuel 21, 15 to the end. There were four other giants and one of them is described as being Goliath's brother. My friend, you can slay Goliath today. Guess what? He's got a brother. And if he goes down, there were three others. They're cousin brothers, as we say in India. I've often wondered, why do you say cousin brothers? Just your cousin. By looking at him, I know it's a boy, you know. <laughs> he's got a brother and he's got cousins. It's not over. They will keep coming at us. But you know what? God, if we spend time in the river, he has given us all the ammunition we need to make us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. At least someone could say amen at that point. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Get into the river. Don't stop moaning, but it's too cold. But I can't swim. We must get David got into the river. We need to get into the river. You know, friend, if your Goliath, just to take two of these points, is unemployment, don't just stand on and say, but pastor, no job. If it's five rupees for a newspaper, meet me after the service, I'll give you five bucks. Go and look for the help wanted signs. Get online on the internet. Check, but pastor, I'm overqualified for that job, pastor. Friend, about a decade and a half ago, we went through a severe testing of the finances of our ministry. You know what I said to my wife in Arizona at that time? And I'm a qualified educator. I said, if I have to drive a garbage truck to take care of my family, I will. What do we mean by I'm overqualified? Do our part and you watch God bring the promotion and open the right doors. Stop making excuses. Suppose... What if our Goliath is an improper relationship? And I'm not just talking about a married person in an improper relationship. It could be a single person. In fact, Joseph's a classic example. There's a single man and there's a married woman. I'd like to dramatize this a little for you. We know that Joseph was elevated to the highest position in Potiphar's household. So he's in charge of the entire estate of Potiphar. And Potiphar's away on a government visit or whatever. And Potiphar's wife has been eyeing Jake, uh, Joseph. Joseph is strong, handsome, and filled with the wisdom of God. And she has a, had an eye on this man. And this time she thinks it's a time for her play. Let me dramatize. Imagine he, he's wearing a shirt over which he's got a lovely coat. He is the overlord and the overseer of the entire estate of Potiphar's. So he's wearing a shirt with a nice overcoat. And she makes a grab for him, but he says, how can I do this thing and sin against God and my master? You know, Nikki Cruz, the cross and the switchblade? The book is called Run, Baby, Run. Are you listening out there, men? Don't blame the lady. Run, God's given you a good pair of legs. Use them, run for your life. She grabs. Imagine the coat coming off and the shirt gets ripped. Now listen. It is better to enter heaven with a torn shirt than to be barred from heaven with a fine coat. You can see I tried my best not to use the word hell, Pastor. <laughs> it is better 
to go to heaven with a torn shirt than to be barred from heaven with a fine coat. Get, Pastor, I don't know how. I don't have the strength to get out of this relationship. We know in our flesh we don't have the strength to. But get into the river and the Spirit of God will empower you. Will release enough ammunition into your life that you'll be able to smite every giant in your life or that dares to walk across your path. Allow me to share a personal life experience here. I was teaching in a Christian, after I left Bishop Cotton's, went to Pennsylvania teaching in a Christian school. And just what APC does, you have your half hour prayer. I experienced that at Whitefield this morning. It was lovely, lovely. just such, And it was a good percentage. I'd say about 35% of the congregation showed up for prayer. I was so blessed by that. You know, you can imagine what a foundation you're building. So the staff, we had a half hour devotional time before the students came in for school at the Christian school. And it was winter time, freezing cold, not my favorite season. So we get in and different staff were rostered to lead the uh, staff devotions. We're waiting to start and in walks a fellow colleague, takes off his winter coat because the room is heated. He said, let's pray for Janet. She was involved in a minor accident on a road just a mile away. And immediately the staff began praying. And uh, pardon me, I'm just trying to give us some real life illustration. I just took up my coat, zipped it up, didn't ask the principal for permission, went to the parking lot, started my car. I knew where the road was. I got out and there was Janet shivering. <laughs> Thank you for coming, Andrew. My point, hear my point. There's a time, you know David played the harp. There's a time to strum the strings and there's a time to swing the sling. There's a time to strum the strings and there's a time to swing the sling. Imagine young David walking out to meet Goliath and he says, whoops, one minute, someone quick get me my harp. That's not the time for the harp. Of course there was a time when he sat down, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But now it was time to swing the sling. There's a time to receive the ministry of the word and there's a time we have to get up off of our chairs. And implement what the Spirit of God is telling us. Or else how will we ever slay those Goliaths? Here's something that uh, may draw a little smile. When that stone struck Goliath on his forehead, such a thing had never entered his mind before. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says David walked out. I'll come back to Saul's armor in a moment. He walked out with his staff. It's in Tamil Kol. And the slingshot. Goliath sees the stick. And he says, am I a dog? That you come against me with a staff. You know, listen to this. We don't need to call the enemy any names. The enemy knows what he's like. <laughs> Am I a dog? Here, come against me with a stick. This day I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the animals of the field. And David says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come against you 
in the name of the Lord God of Sabaoth. That is the Hebrew for the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of the angels of heaven and earth. His confidence was in his God. And David said, in this day, my God will cause me to give you flesh to the birds of the air and the animals, beasts of the field. And you can imagine, the Bible says Goliath got more enraged. He hasted. David didn't run. David's Joe Cool, swinging the sling. Goliath hasted to come forward. Now remember, the closer he comes, the bigger he gets. The bigger you are, the easier to hit. David said, come a little closer. Come, baby, run, baby, run. Come, bang, down. He goes, we don't know if he was actually killed by the shot instantly, but at the very least, his skull would have been split open and he would have been lying unconscious. Immediately, Goliath's armor bearer runs for his life. The Israelite soldiers become very brave. <laughs> and they chase the Philistines down. David runs towards the fallen Goliath. Just to make sure. Okay? In other words, once you delete it, go to the cookies and delete it there too. <laughs> that was the Spirit of God for the IT group in the city. I never thought of that before. <laughs> he runs to Goliath, takes out his sword, decapitates him. Pretty gross, I know, ladies. But bear with us. Holds the head up. That's it. The Philistines turn tail. And you know what? Wow, what a victory. He, then the Bible says he took his sword and spear and shield and brought them back here to the tent. So now, number one was identify our Goliaths. Number two was get God's perspective. Number three was celebrate, no, sorry. Number three was consider the rewards. Number four, take decisive action. Back to Sunday school days. Only a lad named David, only a little sling. Only a lad named David, but he could pray and sing. Only a lad named David, only a rippling brook. Only a lad named David, but five little stones he took. And one little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and round. One little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and 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 round. One little stone flew out of the sling and the giant fell to the ground. So number four was take decisive action. Number five, celebrate your victories. Celebrate your victories. I mean an ongoing, never-ending ownership of the victories that God has enabled you to achieve in your life. You know, after he decapitated Goliath, I just shared that he brought his sword. The, the, the spear was as big as a weaver's beam and the shield back to the tent. Those are trophies of the victory that God gave David. Now every time he looks at them, wow, my God gave me this awesome victory over that Philistine Goliath giant, uh, giant Goliath. Every time he sees it. You know, before we got to e-filing, I also e-file now, but I still have a hard metal filing cabinet. Some of my generation understand what that means. I mean, if you have a kata for your house, you need the real paper kata. You know, you have to file that somewhere, right? Hopefully a wedding certificate, things like that. Not e-copies, right? One of my folders in my metal filing cabinet is titled Scrapbook. 
Way back when I was in Brisbane, Australia, a friend from Pennsylvania sent us a card. And they wrote, Dear Andrew, I have taught on biblical stewardship, how to get debt-free and live debt-free, if that's one of your giants. Dear Andrew, my wife and I want you to be the first person to know that we have finally paid off our mortgage. So many years ahead of schedule. We want to thank you. We thank God, but thank you too. Now, do you throw away a card like that? No. It's in my scrapbook folder. Anytime if you're discouraged, pull out the scrapbook. Wow. I am not nobody. I am not a useless person. My God has used me to touch X, to touch Y, to touch Z, to impact the life of this person. So no matter what you've been told, you're not a failure, you're not a nobody, you're not a no good. You are somebody that's precious and uniquely created by the hand of Almighty God. The Bible says when David was down one time, his 400 plus uh, mighty men of valor, they wanted to stone him one time because they came back from one of their exploits and the tents were burned and their wives and children were taken captive. David had nowhere to go. Saul wanted to kill him with jealousy. His own men wanted to stone him. The Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's the same David who wrote, why so cast down, O my soul? Put your hope in God. It's the same David who said about God, Thou art my glory and the lifter up of my head. Not lifter of my head, actual King James. Lifter up of my head. When I am down, you pick me up. Same David. Have every reason to be encouraged in the Lord. Celebrate your victory. I want just two more points to close out here. Saul says before he goes to meet Goliath, at least... Put on my armor. Now Saul is already head and shoulders taller than the other Israelites. That's a big suit of armor. So they put it on and the King James says, and David assayed to go forth. He tried. He said, I can't move. Please take it off. Let's suppose he wore the armor, hobbled over and somehow knocked Goliath down. Some credit would have gone to King Saul because it was his armor and some credit would have gone to the National Defense Manufacturing Company for the quality of armor they manufacture. All the honor, all the glory, all the praise goes to Jesus alone, not to any man. Also, from that point, in the kingdom of God, there's no one-size-fits-all. Pastor Ashish, what is your formula for all people's church? I want to copy it. No, don't try and copy his DNA. God has given you a unique DNA. You seek him and his spirit and he will cause you to blossom and succeed at what he designed you to fulfill your eternal destiny in him. Yes, we can respect and admire others, but don't be a mimic or a copycat. You are unique, special, and precious in his sight. And to wrap this up, allow me to dramatize again. So David takes off the armor. Saul says, what is that, son? Some kind of animal fur you're wearing? I'm dramatizing, sire. This is my favorite bearskin suit, sire. <laughs> what do you mean bearskin suit? One time I was looking after my daddy's sheep, and one karadi came. <laughs> that is bear. <laughs> and bear came to take one of the sheep. I hit that thing, killed that bear, and I made a bearskin suit out of it. So every morning when I look in the mirror, I say, yes, Davy boy, God used you to destroy a bear. And what's that thing kind of hanging around your neck, Davy? 
Sire, that's my one and only favorite lion claw necklace. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Another time a lion came, Sima, came to kill one of daddy's sheep, and I pulled it by its beard, tore its mouth open, killed it. So every morning I look in the mirror. Sire, let me share this with you. My God, who delivered me from the claw of the bear and the jaw of the lion, he will also deliver this uncircumcised Philistine Goliath into my hand. That's the end of Saul's arguments. Go with God. Go with God. Celebrate your victories. Not that we flaunt them, but we reflect on the goodness and the mercy. Remember, surely, goodness of our God upon us over our lives. And that will buoy us onto further and greater exploits for his kingdom. And let me wrap it up with this verse. Daniel 11.32b says, For the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The question is, do we really know him? If we don't know him well enough, what do you do? Get into the river. I want to close this morning, if they have that song for me, there's this beautiful old chorus, There is a River. Do you have that? Please join me. Uh, I want to sing the chorus, then one verse and the chorus. The key is the verse, and please join me. The verse talks about the woman at the well. Not a woman of much repute, but I want us to put ourselves, each one of us in her place, to see how our God can do wondrous things for us. There is a river that, notice the first time we sing the chorus, it says from God above, because it's the river of life that emanates from the throne of God. The second time we sing it, the chorus, it says, that flows from deep within. Because once the river reaches us, now it flows out from us to the world in which we live. There is a river. Join me. That flows from God above. There is a fountain that's filled with God's great love. Come to this water. Yes, stand to our feet. Come to this water. put ourselves in the place of this woman. There was a thirsty woman who was drawing from a well. Her life was ruined and wasted. And her soul was bound for hell. Child, 
if you drink this water Father, we just thank you for what you have done and what you're continuing to do, God, in our midst. Thank you for the work of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for touching lives and just ministering to lives. We just thank you, Father. We thank you. We bless you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We praise you. We honor you. Thank you, Lord. Let's just close. Thank you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you. And give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go and be a giant killer. Amen? God bless you. Thank you, Reverend Andrew, for ministering here this morning. God bless you all. Have a great week. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.